0: Hello, my
1: children. (laughs) Fuck you, Chuck.
0: Yeah, he's a pussy. Now I'm with you guys. Fuck that guy. Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Oh, dad.
1: everybody to another episode of supernatural the crossroads the coronatus edition oh all quarantined all pent up and nowhere to go or blow except all over your face oh, oh. oh. it's a dick joke i am your host thomas cowley joined with me today is michael flores hello hello and it is just the two of us because we are going to be doing some oral stuff. Oh. Oh, yes. To our uh, lately. To ourselves? Is that what no. Oh. No. Well, no. No. You can't bend that way. You know, uh, to a very special person, as far as the supernatural <laughs> crossroads this is concerned. Sounds this is so the gayest intro I've that ever is, done. That
0: is awful. Yes. Is, can we <laughs> take
1: to that? No, we're going for it. Now, today we're talking about one of the writers in Supernatural currently who has done a phenomenal job with the episodes he's been given, and that is none other than Robert Barron. In the last two discussions for the Coronatus, we have discussed particular characters that have been heavily involved in shaping the season's narrative or making us reevaluate the season's narrative and, and who the heroes are, who the villains are, in an attempt to keep... The momentum of the final season going with, you know, COVID fucking everything up. Everyone's hopes, dreams, desires. We decided let's let's keep some of that momentum going. And we talked about Rowena, one of the most interesting newest characters to be introduced in the last number of years who has had an arc unlike any other. Who has gone from a villain and borderline unlikable, you know, not really unlikable, but somebody you shouldn't like. redeemed in a lot of ways and and someone who was always persecuted and and hated and angry at so much about life finding center in arguably the worst place in existence at hell by being queen of hell she has finally found a place where she feels at home in a weird way the other one was lucifer somebody who With the revelations at the end of season 14 and the whole entire concept of 15 has been proven to be right. Someone who was always the villain has actually been, once again, always telling the truth. And what does that mean? Not only for his character in a retrospective look, but how that affects the decisions Sam and Dean have made, the statements Chuck has made. Everyone's viewpoint about him, and did he, as a character, need a reevaluation because he was not wrong, right? This entire time, yep. and we continue to do this with this concept here. But we're going to switch gears a little bit. Whereas, rather than focus on one character, we're going to be focusing on one of the writers and executive producers, Robert Barons. Now, this guy no. has been yes, yeah, so there's going to be a lot of that sound, apparently. This guy has been in the writing room since about season nine, since the one year into Carver's run. And really, he really just worked his ass off to get to where he's at now. So, quick little background he served as an executive story editor and supervising producer before being promoted to co executive producer in season 13. He had previously worked on an animated series, uh, Kappa Mikey. Is that? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, before being hired to the CW series Ringer, which was created by former Supernatural writers and co-executive producer Eric Carmelo and Nicole Snyder. In 2017 and 2018, Barons developed The Wayward Sisters, an attempted spin-off series which aired embedded in season 13's plot. In 2019, he actually joined Jeremy Carver, who had brought him on originally, for Supernatural, to adapt Doom Patrol for the DC Universe streaming service. And he held that job in conjunction with Supernatural. And That guy's a worker bee. And then still, in 2019 in Comic-Con, it was revealed that he had been promoted to executive producer for Supernatural's final season. Now that's work ethic, Thomas. He's done more in those years than I've done with my life.
0: He, he did more in the last five minutes than you've done your entire life. Like I guarantee you right oh, now yeah. as we're talking, he's working. Oh, I don't doubt it. And those last few seconds, he just did more than you uh-huh. as well. I'm a failure
1: Again. is the point of this message. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for, for confirming that. <laughs>
0: you dick. Do you think he has all his, you know, everything you just went over? Do you think that's on his Tinder profile as well? Like, hey, I'm Robert Bairds. I served as executive story editor and supervising producer before being promoted to executive
1: producer. He's 13 of I, I doubt he's uh, nerdy enough to write all that in his Tinder that profile. nerdy.
0: I mean, I ain't gay and I would go after him with that <laughs> in his profile. I'm like, damn.
1: <laughs> he is a fan favorite amongst the crossroads. Yeah, we're trying to set the tone
0: here. I mean the the title of the show is blowing barren. So we just we just gotta get it out
1: there. We gotta we gotta let people know where we're coming from. Yeah. Right? Yes. Drop all pretense. Right. And pants. Yeah. So And do a little dance. (laughs) You had to rhyme it. (laughs) That's why we don't do anything with our lives, because that's what we rhyme. Yeah. Dance and pants. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so he started in season nine with three episodes to his name. Episode six, Heaven Can't Wait. Episode 14, Captives. And episode 19, Alex, Annie, Alexis, Anne.
0: Now, just to preface this, Thomas, this is how we're going to go about doing this ongoing series called Blowing Barons, Is mm-hmm. We're going to take season by season from season nine when he starts, mm-hmm. obviously. To the end, season 15. And however many episodes he had written during those seasons will be the episodes we kind of dissect and discuss. Uh, For the most part, it looks like he does about three to four episodes. Yeah. Which we can definitely tackle those. Because we're not going to completely dissect and break down. We're only going to look at the nuanced aspects. What he's specifically doing for whatever character or whatever uh, foundation he's setting up in that episode. It's going be very nuanced.
1: And I like that approach. I, th- I like looking at how he'll change his style or adapt or what responsibilities will be placed on him as the seasons continue Yeah, as well. Now, he started off very strong with Season 9, Episode 6, Heaven Can't Wait. Possibly it might be one of the weakest of the three. It might be the weakest of the three, but... Only really because of the material he had to work with.
0: Yeah, because none of us were too happy. I remember being a little, we're like, really, Castiel working at a gas and sip? That's what we're doing here. <laughs> I mean, it is a little silly, but mm-hmm. it did work in the way that it was focusing on on Castiel.
1: Well, it, it's almost like one of those, <sighs> I almost wonder how much of that gas and sip and, like, decision was, hey, we've got a set piece and here's what we want to do with it. Yeah. Write a story. Yeah. Versus here's the story, now make a set piece. Well, isn't that
0: essentially Carver, or not Carver, um, Baron's entire career? I mean, how many times in recent seasons? <laughs> now, I am just thinking recent seasons because those are fresh in my mind. But right. how many times does he just take what's set up? Like, all right, I see what you gave me. Thank you. I'll um, run with it. Well, let me see what I can do.
1: Yeah. Well, because you're right, like Castile working at a gas and sip is a silly concept, especially compared to where he had come from. A soldier of heaven. No (laughs) nonsense. Helped fight in the apocalypse. Sacrificed himself repeatedly for the greater good. Killed by Lucifer. Working at a gas and sip. Yeah. Uh, Ingested all of the Leviathans. Caused the downfall of all angels in heaven. Gas And and sip. Yeah. I mean, if 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 he was looking for a job,
0: right, and the would be employer had sat him down and asked him where he would see himself in five years, I don't think it would be the gas and
1: set. no, can't say it would. So that concept, that premise is a little silly. But once again, Barron's did a great job with what he's given and what he's really saying is a lot more in depth. And, and a lot more nuanced it's here. This is the most important thing. Yeah. This is not just Castiel being funny this episode. This is Castiel in a self-penance. He is punishing himself in many ways for what he's done, trying to repent for his sins. It's a story and about a character who has fucked up beyond belief and everything he believes in at this time
0: well up to this point what did he do setting aside his betrayal of the angels for the good guys but that's Mm -hmm. still something as a character he has to live up he has to live with the fact that he chose sam and dean over heaven but then what he did when he took on the leviathan and allowed them to roam free over the earth I mean he became sick. You remember and he started smiting yep. everyone. Yep. and killing angels. And then when you thought he was on the right track, he then allowed Metatron mm-hmm. to deceive him, causing the fall of the angels. So this episode, yes, gas and sip, silly. Bah, ha ha ha. But when you really look at what it's what they're doing here, it's about a self-penance. It's about him atoning his own self-punishment. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to live through a mundane life. I'm even going to try my hand at dating. And we know how that went. It's just awful. Nothing really worked for him in this episode. And that was the point. I think many of the complaints about Castiel aren't so much the writing within the episodes. It's the meandering, right? That's the problems we typically have with Castiel. But when you look at the overall purpose of what this is about, what this specific episode's about... It works and that's something that I feel Barons managed to do pretty well because as I said, when we look back at seasons with Castiel, the things we complain about is just purpose. So what's his purpose? Why is he here? Um, He's just kind of going from A to B and just kind of floating. Well, I Uh, think
1: that really came into play later past this point. almost you know, with the fall of the angels and every angel that was left out for blood from him and him losing all power, all notoriety and being reduced to the lowest he's ever been is your standard act two end, right? Yes. For this character. So it makes sense in a lot of ways. It was afterwards where they didn't really have much for him to do. I think back to season 10, I think to season 12 and, and, you know, that's when he finally had something with Jack, but in the 11, he's just Lucifer's meat suit, you know, trying to make up for this, but here it, it was a little bit better. It was trying to see him. He fell from grace in his own way. And now at the bottom of the rung of society, you know, being borderline homeless, working at a gas and sip and really seeing a life from a different perspective, I think was important for his character development at this time. And that's one thing that Barons did a great job of it's, it didn't matter what scenario he, and I think this is one of the things we like about him as a writer. It doesn't matter what scenario they paint him into. Hey, we just killed a major character and we haven't set up any emotional payoff. Please fix this. You Are know. you
0: talking about season 14, episode 18? What?
1: Yes. Yes, I am. I'm Mary's talking exactly death. about that. Yeah,
0: no, but you're right. And, when I was reviewing these three episodes, specifically season nine, episode six, season nine, episode 14, Captives, I specifically saw what he was doing in these episodes are exactly what, what he's been was, doing, what he's for, been a doing for a very long time. Even with the most recent episode that, that, um, that pertains to Mary's death, the way, that, like what you just said, the fact that he... Brought relevance to that death and reminded us of the importance and why she's been around for these two or three years. He did all of that in 47 minutes when he probably shouldn't have been able or he probably shouldn't have been asked to do that because these things should have been already set up long before. So, when you look at these episodes, we see him yet again bringing relevance to something that's not necessarily the focus so episodes not episode nine six, and nine fourteen for the most part were myth arc heavy episodes, so he was tasked with moving the plot of the season forward, and also running parallel to that would be Castiel's penance, the price he has to pay for once again fucking up and essentially
1: causing the angels to fall. Right.
0: And it's very meaningful
1: for the Castiel character. It means a lot. it, It matters. He makes it count. And again, that's what I was saying is that his doesn't matter what scenario they give Barons. he's able to make the best of it by focusing on character and what the character is going through, regardless of the weird ass setup that he may be handed. Hey, your character works at a gas and sip, make the best of it. Like you, like you said there with Mary, she's been killed and we didn't really do much with her through the season. Make us feel bad. Make us have an emotional resonance, an emotional payoff all in one episode. He does a great job there.
0: Evoke feeling, evoke emotion. Give us as an audience what we're supposed to be feeling because, again, going back to episode 17 of season 14, we were all very frustrated. Those last moments. Yeah. Killed off screen. Wait, she just died? Uh, But nothing was leading down that direction. There was nothing there. In fact, Mary's story was was just cut short. Like, what are you doing here? We had the whole thing working on the. Uh, that we were hoping we would get back to with catch you know she mm-hmm. had just come from the apocalypse apocalypse world but season 14 she was
1: kind of sidelined we never well, really we were saw was gonna be a relationship that. with her and Bobby and that never even happened
0: yeah there was just none of that so then all of a sudden boom we're gonna kill her off and we weren't emotionally prepared for it because there was no path being laid out we felt like there was much more they needed to do and then Barrons comes in on that white steed mm-hmm And manages to give us illicit feelings in 47 minutes. That's impressive. It is. And when you look at Captives 914, we get that relevance being brought to one of our characters. Again, to evoke feelings, to elicit some type of emotion so that we understand what's going on. Uh, We get Castiel squaring off with angels yet again.
1: But, well, it pushes him into doing something, you know, and that's the thing that that's, I'd say. That's the key there. It's action, right? R- good writing, television, movies, it's action. Your character's doing something. And and that's, I think, something that a lot of writers in today's media, and this is not just for Supernatural, This is this is for everything. If you feel unsatisfied with a lot of television, particularly out there right now, it's because they have things happen they don't have characters doing things it sounds kind of stupid at first but the difference is something happens mary dies that happened you didn't have a character set it up you didn't have a character make a decision you didn't have payoff for things but there's
0: no there's a lot of a there's a lot of moving from a to b to c but there's, there's no a lot of things
1: happening but there's no reason there's no emotion there's no decision making behind yeah. it or there's
0: accountability at times yeah there's no accountability and that's why this episode 914 stuck out because there's accountability and also 96 accountability
1: you know well i mean castiel brought down the fall of all of heaven and now you have different splinter cell faction groups starting up bartholomew and i think it was elijah i can't remember off the top of my head yes uh okay awesome uh different groups starting up their own little sex of sect uh, sex of of groups yeah. within to start their own war and Cassiel tried to remain outside of it but by showing him at his lowest and having him learn from that in the first episode we push him to face what he did face up to his actions and those consequences by having him go up against bartholomew and that's why it worked so well because it wasn't necessarily about simply moving the plot it wasn't about things happen it was about making a character make a decision that happens and there are ramifications for that action you can't
0: take accountability away when you have a character do something like create the or cause the fall of angels, right? Which is a major thing in Supernatural. Is the season finale, and looking at how other TV shows nowadays, and sometimes in Supernatural in later seasons, sometimes they do something and then they don't really go back to it. You have the action, but there isn't the consequence. We're not dealing with the the cost. We're not dealing There's with no the cost. We're not dealing with the aftermath of that decision. Mm -hmm. And that's what Barron's has done very well in these episodes. He is dealing with the aftermath. He's not forgetting what this does to the character. Uh, He's not forgetting what this does to the specific episode in question. What is it doing? What is it fleshing out? How is it assisting Sam and Dean? How is it moving the myth arc forward? All of these things are factored in in 914 having to face the very angels that he had just caused the wronged.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is too, it also shows him learning from his experiences. You know, you, you have Castiel allowed himself to be duped by Metatron tricked, played, you know, made the fool. But to to be fair, who wouldn't be duped by that charming motherfucker? Lucifer would have seen through that. That's true. Yeah. Now, Castiel has allowed himself to be played So what now? What do you do with this character who's at his lowest point, right? Well, explore that. Ask that question. What do you do now? And you have angels gunning for him. So when they finally get a hold of him, they try to recruit him into their same play. Help them do something their way is the right way. I know what to do. Believe me. Well, he just got fucked over for this exact thing. So it makes Castiel ask himself, what am I going to do when confronted with something similar? Will he be allowed to be played the fool again? Or is he going to take decisions and actions into his own hands?
0: And you also have to remember what he's living with still. He's also dealing with post Leviathan and the fact yeah, that he unleashed that. mess. So you have that, you have the fall of heaven and then you're confronted with your angels, your brethren, the ones you've turned your back on. That's why this episode's so powerful for Castiel and well written. What will he do? There's questions. Mm-hmm. There's there's there's
1: the building of a character here. Well, and it also shows it not only builds character, but it, his actions reveal his character. You know, Bartholomew references that they used to work together during the season. Well, I guess it would be seven season six seven civil war against Raphael. That they were partners, they worked together and yeah. he wants to take out Metatron. There's no reason Castiel should think otherwise or or not take Bartholomew at his word. But then he wants him to take someone else's life who he intends to torture to get information and he sees too many similarities between what Castiel let happen before. And now Bartholomew wants him to kill. And after so many fuck ups frankly. Of Leviathans. The civil war with Raphael. Killing so many angels. Letting the remainder fall. Listening to Metatron. He doesn't want to be the fool anymore. And he makes a decision. A, a painful one and at a great cost. Because he takes someone's life. But he now is in control. Of his life. He is no longer. The The fool. In that way, he's making the decisions
0: and it's a turning
1: point for Castiel in a lot of ways, but also,
0: but also it just adds more depth because to him and what he's dealing with. Yeah, because if you remember, he ends up taking Bartholomew's life in the end. Yeah, something he didn't want to do. He had already caused death. It's something he didn't want. He didn't want the power. He didn't want the responsibility.
1: It wasn't just a war and there's casualties and he can brush it off.
0: And then he was put into a compromised position where he had to do it yet again.
1: Yeah. But I, I what I liked about that was it's a terrible situation that he's put into yet again. But he didn't let someone else or blind faith and zealotry push him. Yeah into it. He made a conscious decision and it's a painful one. It was his decision, but it was his exactly, but it was his decision to make.
0: It's an example of him owning his mistakes. When you think about it,
1: I mean, which is the first step towards fixing anything.
0: Right. And again, goes right back to the very first episode. Barron's wrote this season about the penance and about going through the mundane. This is your punishment. Learn from it. He's taking ownership of his mistakes, he's cleaning up his own house essentially. So it's it's good stuff. It really does work
1: well, and it's one of the things that makes Barron such a valuable writer to have. Is that he writes each of the characters that he's handed very, very consistently they don't do things that feel out of the norm. It feels like this is Castiel. And there's been a couple of times where weaker episodes have felt like, is this really what they would have done or what happened there or just silly decisions being made. But Baron seems to keep his characters as the focal point, the center point for his story. It doesn't matter what else is going on. It doesn't matter the environment they're surrounded in. It doesn't matter what the monster of the week is. As long as he nails those characters, he nails the episode. Well, he
0: creates that consistency, as you said. And that's honestly not only setting aside the obvious that he's a good writer. There's something very specific that he's good at, at least within this show. He knows that this is a show nine years in the making. Mm Mm-hmm that there you can't reinvent the wheel with these characters. You can't, you can't break you can't break the characterization because not only will we all scream foul ball, but that's also shitty writing. And obviously he's not a shitty writer. But he has the awesome ability to flesh out ideas further. As we had discussed with season 14, Mary's death We see it here in these two episodes with Castiel. He's got a knack for continuing what others have laid out. The idea that Cass feels a form of guilt about the parts he played in Angel Death and Heaven's Destruction started a year prior. Yeah. It's the reason he got into that mess with Metatron in the first place. So we have Barons coming in here not trying to say, hey, I can do this better. No. It's, hey, I can further your idea. And add a little more. And that's what true writing is about when you're writing on a TV show. It's not about the ego of saying, I'm gonna do this better. It's about, hey, I saw what you did there and I'm going to
1: further that story, sit back and watch what I do. Well, I think I think you brought up a good point. TV is a book is written by one person. Well, okay, usually. Right. <laughs> a movie Collaborative does have collaborative aspects to it, but the script is if it's good one to two people more than three, we start seeing where those movies fall apart. We really do. But a television show is unique because it needs to be a team of people writing 20 some odd episodes. Well, I guess these days even as low as six, but a number of episodes over years and have to keep the characters consistent. Have to keep the tone consistent. The world building consistent. The cause and effect has to continue to make sense week to week. Yeah. That is a very tall order, and that's probably why writers are in charge when it comes to TV, unlike on movie sets.
0: Right. Exactly why you know yeah. it's, it's
1: is what it is because it's so involved and so intricate, and so you need that kind of understanding not only of the characters but the writers in the room around you and what someone's strengths are who plays into what this person's great at a this one's great at b what can i following up from previous week and the whole season and the entire show up to this point add to this to make it fresh and interesting and captivating for these 45 minutes but also fits the last 10 years well oh. Yeah, of characters that no at no point do these characters feel. Who the fuck is this? This isn't the Sam and Dean I've always known. This isn't the Castiel I've always known.
0: And that's where, you know, your juggling ability as a writer comes into play and your ability to remember, do your research uh, on characters before you write an episode. Because, yeah, no, it's a no brainer. Most of the writers sit in before the season even gets started and they do what's called breaking the story and they come up with the ideas they get the points the plot points they figure out what each episode is essentially going to be about and then they do the assignment they assign the, the scripts to whatever writer right but a lot of time goes by between breaking the story and writing the episode yeah Almost a
1: year, right?
0: Yeah. And and an idea is just fine. You can have an idea, but then you have a writer before you that's going to take that idea. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then another writer comes in, all right, I'm going to continue that, do this. And then you were signed the episode, let's say, 30 episodes later, 13 episodes later. Well, you got to make sure you understand exactly what they were doing.
1: Where they're at, what's happened, how they feel.
0: And many times, on a lot of shows, you have those little inconsistencies. In the days of episodic television, when that was a thing, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Because each episode is something new. You kind of forget that the lead character's mother died
1: the previous episode. Happy days. The kid goes upstairs, never to be seen again, right?
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) With serialized television, you don't have that luxury. You have to continue those, those, those things set in place. If something happened to the character, let's say, chronologically within the show three days ago, but the show, but the episode isn't produced or written maybe until seven weeks later, you got to make sure you do your homework and understand what's being said in that episode.
1: Well, and I think another thing that um, kind of goes glossed over when it comes to the TV show writing uh, is that, like I said, a book is traditionally written by one person. Imagine trying to write chapters 3, 14, and 29, Yeah, and you don't know exactly how they wrote the other ones. You have a general idea how the other chapters come together. Right, because it's on that board there. But you have to go from week 3 to week 14 and not miss a beat and have it fit perfectly aligned and that's admittedly that's where a showrunner comes in and also a director for that episode right and helps keep things consistent and smooth and that's the showrunner's job traditionally is make sure all of these moving parts are working in in synergy but that is still a tall order and for Barron's not like that it's not a wide order
0: yeah I did I did want to go large that's a
1: hard thing to do. And for Barron's... No, I, not, I just say, go oh, Lodge, God. please. Number three, Lodge. You want fries with that, I'm assuming? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's tough to get to that point and, and make that all work. And then you also have the episodes like his third episode of that season, which is Alex, Annie, Alexis, Anne, which was not necessarily Mythar Castile based it was, a, it was a guest spot episode that had a lot to do with one character in particular. And that was Sheriff Jody Mills. You know, this episode was maybe a little bit stronger of the three for that season, but it was a monster of the week. It wasn't a main myth arc. It wasn't Castiel or any of the major character heavy ones. It was Jody's story and And the next chapter of her life. Really? It was an important episode. Yeah. For her. Absolutely. Yeah. But overall it was a monster of the week, you know, and This is where Barons can have a little fun with that vampire mythos, but also as he does still keep it character focused. It didn't matter what monster it was. It didn't matter the character, you know, name and and what had happened to them previous week because they weren't in the previous week. This is a guest spot. This is a many ways, a self-contained element I mean, really for the story of Jody, it was a turning point for her as a character, somebody who had gone through such tragedy and such pain in her life to really be given that second chance and something that would carry with her as a character for years, but also be the thing that would give Barron's, you know, really the, the groundwork for building and attempting his own spin-off show. Yeah. Just a few years later. And to have Barons be the one to kind of take control of that was a good call because not only did he bring back purpose to Jody's life, but he did what he does best and that's add layers to her character. This is somebody who has been through a lot of shit and kind of from from what I from what memory recalls down in the dumps in a little bit of ways not doing the best. How do you give this character a new lease on life? How do you give them a new purpose for lack of a better term? What do you do to help them and make them interesting to watch again?
0: Well, we had talked during, I want to say our very first Wayward Sisters edition discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we thought Wayward Sisters was going to be a thing, we started a little mini discussion for Patreon subscribers. And we had broken down him's or Jody's story. Mm -hmm. And we broke it into chapters and we realized that there is an entire series here within a series. It was, we had Jody's first chapter that was arguably uh, season five and and season six. And then this was the, the, either the ending or the beginning of a new chapter, because you had a woman that was dealing with the loss of loss, the loss of a child, right? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. It was definitely a new chapter for her at this point. You know, we had the, the return of her original child and the death of that and the fallout from that. And then in season seven, she's kind of more into the Hunter lifestyle and working with the boys again. And in season eight, she's trying to live her life as best she can, but she's kind of down in a darker place because she's somebody without purpose by season nine. You know, you know, the world's a fucked up place and you know that hell exists and you don't have family anymore. That puts you in a negative space. But Alex was really the start of something new, a chance for her to be a mother again, a chance for her to take care of somebody again, a chance for her to do right and feel, which I know she feels like is what parent wouldn't feel like she had fucked up and passed wrongs with her previous family. You know, I mean, your zombie son kills your husband. It's not really something you go to sleep at night thinking I did nothing wrong there. So (laughs) Alex is a fresh start, a new chance for her and it really does set her jody off on a whole new length and this is something where we say we add layers we don't change who jody is we don't say she didn't have a kid you know or retcon anything it's about how do you take what you had and add to it
0: well theoretically how much longer can you have could you have continued jody's story without anything else the way that it was going she was just a kind of a I, listen. We loved her, but you could see where her story was kind of just meandering and coming to an end. So let's rejuvenate it. Let's let's give it a, a new purpose. And yeah. that's and that's what this did. This episode
1: breathe life into it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It Absolutely. That is what it did. And. I think that there's a good example. Barron's with his first monster of the week with his first stab at writing this character of Jody Mills sets her up for so much more for her to become so much more in the future seasons Gave a character her. that was going to be just another well she's here isn't that fun into a fan favorite a spin-off potential worthy Longevity. a major player in Sam and Dean's family system and, and a life. major
0: player in my fan fiction <laughs> Because this is when she becomes hot Jody. Hot Jody? Yeah, Yeah. alternative Jody. Damn. Yeah, give me those tattoos and cool ass you seen her Instagram? She's got a
1: lot of tattoos. I know. Some in other places. What? (coughs) Can we get her divorced? (laughs) Wondering. I mean, I'm sure you could if you were
0: diligent enough. I'm like, what's up?
1: but yeah that's what Barron's did like his first monster of the week he he creates a character that as fans we've grown to love and means a whole lot to Sam and Dean I mean you wouldn't have that everyone at the dinner table scene a couple of years later if you didn't set it up with this first yeah and understand who Jody is and how she works as a character you don't have surrogate mom versus real mom come season 12 oh with this that
0: was so hot <laughs> You treat your boys good.
1: A little cat fight there. Yeah, you got, you got some fucked up fan fiction. Oh, come bet, on. In your head. Well, come uh, on, Mary it's...
0: Winchester and Jody going at it. I didn't
1: it. say I wouldn't read it. Said <laughs> so it's probably fucked up. It's a completely different. Completely different thing. You guys should smack each other. Oh, what?
0: I do it tenderly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is supposed to be about blowing barons. What are we talking
1: about? It's, a, it's a very sexual thought. Yeah, show. blowing
0: barons, not.
1: Scissoring moms. Oh wow! That be the next show. That's a different show. <laughs> scissoring moms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Ryan has a contender for his fan fiction contest. I like that. When <laughs> I copyright that. Oh, that's that's copywritten. Somewhere. No, forget you. That's new.
0: That's, a, that's unique. I just did a barons on that idea. Okay. I fleshed it out further. It's fine.
1: Added layers. Yeah, barons took and that's what we do or that's what we like about what he does is he he takes something that could have just been you know here's this guest spot that was fun and turns it into how can I make this so much more interesting to watch so that they'll have to bring this character back in order to finish out their story how can I make this so much more than just a monster of the week
0: you, you know, know Barons is listening he's all like guys I just write
1: Yeah, I, I was drunk on half uh, these episodes you know
0: I I, like we're breaking it down. Why it's so good. But I mean, when you're a talented writer, you just do it because it makes sense logically. Like
1: this is what you're supposed to do, right? You would think, but there's a lot of writers that do not. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because there's two different types of schools of thought, right? Like architects who plan everything out and gardeners who create characters and let them make decisions and follow that. Mm -hmm. When really, I think, Everybody's a kind of a mix of both, but when it comes down to it, it should still follow one central thought is that what makes sense for this character to do. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you plan out this whole sequence of events or garden and let things come as they may either way, it should feel like this character realistically would make this decision at this time. And that will lead me down the path to other things. And he does a great job of that. And I think that's why some of his stuff feels so, much more emotionally relevant and, and resonates so much more with a lot of the fandom feels more sincere. I it's mean, more sincere. It's just yeah. more genuine and authentic. I mean, look at season 15, the three part opening episode, right? One, two, and three. We had some setup, some meandering I, and payoff. I forgot about that. Yeah. With him. And the second episode was kind of just the series of events. Things happened. There's a Jack, the Ripper ghost catch is involved and shows up. The ghosts get stronger. I guess Kevin's there for some reason things happen. Cause he's kind of a big deal on hell. he's kind of a big deal. You yeah. know, that's cause hell has apparently societal class structure. Yeah, I guess you can be a dork still. <laughs> there are things that happened in that episode, but nobody made decisions. No characters changed. Nothing came from their decision making that affected the narrative in episode three of that season. Rowena makes decisions, Sam makes decisions you Things a, You can be a dork in hell You can be a dork in hell according to Kevin I'm gonna give you a hell noogie Here. Just swirly. I'm gonna give you a hell swirly I'm gonna lock you with this hell locker It's just everything with <laughs> hell beforehand It's a good idea Write <laughs> this shit down Like that's the difference Is that things happened in episode 2 And characters made decisions in episode 3 And right. those are far more impactful To all of us you know i mean supernatural has the ability to has shown that it has the ability to churn out some truly talented writers we've praised this show for that from day 1 and Barron's had the skill to be so much to to be what he is today to become an a, a showrunner i have no doubt that he will get his own show here soon oh yeah i truly think wayward sisters from whether it was marketing or or societal litmus test at that time where people were at or what have you I think Wayward Sisters could have easily been a very nice and very interesting s- spin off
0: yeah I am um, there's a lot and we have believe it or not we're going to have a discussion eventually because we're going to continue breaking Barons episodes down and we're going to get more in depth when it comes to that spin off again
1: well, as it moves forward yeah
0: but um, you know there was just there just needed to be a few changes and I feel like that idea would have worked. And honestly, I think the things that didn't work, I don't think they were his ideas. I think there were things that the network needed yeah. to be included uh, because.
1: I Producers. mean, how
0: many fans were behind the Jody and A lot Donna and Donna ideas like it was fantastic when they had announced that Kim Rhodes was cast in the Wayward Sister spinoff.
1: The Internet went insane. Well, that's the thing is that what started as Jodie Mills, Jodie Mills, uh, her character is going to be the lead. And with every new update got pushed more and more to the sidelines for what felt more and more like a traditional CW borderline preteen show. I do agree with you. I think it started to lose what made it original and unique and interesting to a lot of fans. And started to become what f- I know some people felt like was a spinoff of Vampire Diaries. Right. More than a spinoff of Supernatural.
0: And it wasn't the writing that... It has
1: nothing to do with the it writing. Wasn't it's the marketing writing at that point. It was
0: the demographic that they needed to market to for the CW.
1: Right. And unfortunately, you know, that put a nail in that coffin. But with what he's done on Supernatural, with how f- beloved he is to the fandom... With what he's been able to do with Doom Patrol, working with Carver, I have no doubt that he will end up as a showrunner here within the next couple of years if, if Doom Patrol doesn't consume his full attention. But like we said from his list of achievements in the last few years, he's probably already working on two different shows and several pilots and all that he's stuff. He's probably running a show right now. He probably is. We yeah. just don't know it yet. And... A lot of this, a lot of this stuff, he had natural talent, but I do think it's important to say that he learned a lot. I think from Carver over his time there. I think so. I mean,
0: isn't that a sign right there? The fact that he joins Carver again on Doom Patrol, he obviously, uh, he obviously respects his work. Yeah, he no doubt looks at him as a bit of a mentor. Isn't it amazing when you look at the combos that have come out? Because you had mentioned that. Supernatural has churned out some talented writers. Look at the combos that we've gotten. You got Kripke and Gamble. You have Carver and Barons. You have Edland. I mean, you just have so many uh, Robbie Thompson. You just have so many great writers that have come out of that writing room.
1: Yeah. And have gone on to do great things. The Magicians, you, yeah. the Boys, uh, Doom Patrol. Fuck it, man. It, dude, it goes on and on and that's just from the showrunners that's not even going through all the writers yeah. accolades and and what they're currently working on
0: it says something about the show and it does tell you it's a bit of a clue there as to why the show has lasted so long It's because it's not just because fandoms love Jensen and Jared or Sam and Dean there's magic there's magic in that writing room. Uh, Kripke left some behind and everyone's <laughs> feeding off that magic. There 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 is something special about the writers who have fed off each other. And one group comes in, there's a few that have stayed. They teach about this show and how you need to write this show. The next ones move in, the other ones leave. It's it's just a fantastic Luck of the draw is what it is. Like shows, don't do this a lot of times. Writers hate each other. Maybe writers do hate each other in this writing room. I don't know, but that doesn't mean they're not learning off each other either.
1: (laughs) Maybe they hate each other. Maybe they hate each
0: other, but they are learning
1: something. Yeah. Well, they are. It's obvious when you look at where they go after the show. Well, not only that, they, they learn. They learn from each other, but I think, like you said, there's magic in that room because it takes something. Or in the writing room specifically for that show to continue for 15 years and for the most part still feel true to its original concept. Yes, things have changed styles and flavors and certain aspects have altered with the years and
0: that's going to happen and that's
1: going to happen, but it doesn't feel like it's ever lost. The soul, I guess, and that comes down to the writing and that comes down to people putting in the effort and caring and, and contributing their all while they are there. You know, and for for even me, guess to some degree, even you, and for Carver, I love
0: that you addressed me as him.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I finally won. You know, for for Barons to come on in season nine and be one of the biggest overall assets in the writing room, just a handful of years later, getting attempted, getting the chance to do a spinoff in what four years is that nine, ten, yeah, five, 12, 13. yeah. I mean that says a lot about his talent. Now, the three episodes we had here, we're we're gonna rank them, kind of put them in order, from which ones we liked the most and which ones we liked the least. Um, it's a little different because these aren't like parts of one particular arc. It's not like it was a completed story right, yeah. or trilogy throughout the season. It's kind of there's two and then a third. Uh, so, Mike, what oh. going from least favorite? Oh, least favorite, right? For you, which oh, how would they go? Because I think we've, I think this could be interesting.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Heaven can't wait.
1: Least favorite. Least favorite. Okay.
0: But still damn good.
1: Why is your least favorite that
0: one? I didn't like the the setting. Not the writing, the setting. That's all it is. And the reason why it's not. Number one is because when you look at the following episode, Barron's does captives. I feel like that does that much more for Castiel facing him against his consequences and, and posing questions as to what he'll do next. Will he fall into the same predicaments and situations that got him where he's at now? Will he become a leader? Will he run from being a leader? As we know, he doesn't want to be a leader at this point. What's he <laughs> going to do I liked the questions they posed. But for me, I feel like the best work uh, for season nine when it comes to Barons, is Alex Annie, Alex Ann. And it's it's a monster of the week. But I mean, I don't want to reiterate everything you had just gone over, but it's just what it meant for Jody, And because she was already a fan favorite up to this point, I don't honestly, if you look back at what they've done with her, it wasn't until this episode. This is the turning point for Jody.
1: Yeah, the Jody we
0: have right now to this day is because of this episode.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And that's when you know you have gold is when something you do from seasons ago still is impactful. So Alex, Annie, Alex, Anne.
1: Is your favorite of the three?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, originally when I when we started this, I leaned more towards captives perhaps being my favorite one because Castile making the decisions, choosing to be his own person and what that signified. And I like tragedy. So seeing him as a downfall in uh, heaven can't wait is always fun for me, but in the discussion and thinking it through a little bit more, I I do have to agree. I think Alex, Annie, Alexis, Ann is his strongest because it's one thing this is, I guess, where I would, uh, where I'd argue. It's one thing to write a strong episode for a character that's been established for nine years. It's another thing for me, to make a character interesting who's only been a small side role for the last couple of years. Like to all around together had maybe one episodes worth of or two episodes worth of true development, and to make them interesting and to give them such life. To, to where we as fans would want to see more and more of Jody as a character with ravenous hunger to where we become where she becomes the, the lead in a new show attempt, a spinoff attempt. That's huge. And your first year to knock that out of the park so well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where he really swung for the fences. The first two were getting your feet wet. These are the first episodes you've written. It's understanding the characters and making sure that they all feel authentic and then this is where you have the most freedom, leeway to make something your own and make me care and make me want to see how this story unfolds.
0: And, you know, what? we didn't even get into the fact of what it or what it did for Alex. I mean, child abduction, forcing kids to do things mm. at a young age,
1: some dark shit,
0: manipulation of. Children, I mean, it's it's kind of dark. No, it's not kind of dark. It is it dark. It is dark.
1: It's definitely dark the things they were making her do you yeah. so it was a strong episode yeah so that was his his first year as well, first year into the th- swing of things that's what we're going with, and he's only gone up from there I, I not to say anything about season nine being weaker or anything, but he just he's, gets better and better. he just has gotten better and better as time has gone on. His- and just be, and that's why I want to do this because you and
0: I had talked about it. Like, yeah, man, he just gets better and better. Yeah, just, it's awesome to see a writer because we obviously have paid attention throughout the last fifteen years. But we started in season nine with a show.
1: Yeah, this show,
0: Crossroads. So we've seen Barron's, Like, as we're breaking down these episodes, we've seen him grow. This while we're challenges. Doing, while we're doing reviews, and because of that you it's noticeable you can see just how he just continues to
1: evolve y- yes evolve as a writer evolve adapt improve and i think you know going back looking at the list of episodes he's written i don't think we do our top five every year i think he's always been in the top five well oh, yeah yeah or is it top three? Either way, he's always he talking about
0: the end of the year. Our end of
1: Perhaps. the year for the oh, whole he, season. Yeah, he's always one of his episodes. Always makes it.
0: I think. Like, without I fail. think uh, Davy Perez might have knocked him off the, the top spot last year. I think. Or might have been. I'll check.
1: I'll check the records. I keep everything written down. Yeah. So I'll check. But yeah, he he's grown dramatically, and it's been fantastic to watch. And, and I'm looking forward to talking about next season. Where he's got girls, 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 yeah. the executioner's song with Kane oh. and the Werther project, which is such an interesting, the Warther Project, such <laughs> a cool <laughs> idea, and how well that came to life for season 10. So, with that, that's going to be the first round of Blowing Barons. I think everyone's no. tired of hearing it. He, you know, a little sore at this point. Feeling too it's, it's really a back thing, a little raw, really, you know, bobbing I and mean, what? Yeah. Anyway. So we want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to this random ass tangents that we've gone on. Hopefully you can look back at those episodes in season nine with a little more attention to detail and see where and go along with us on this journey and see how Barons adapts and improves year after year. So with that, we want to thank everybody for listening and we'll see you all next time. Little, little you are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt. <laughs>